Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. This week, we're in Corning, Iowa with Anne Greenwald of Carver's Ridge. Anne is a fifth-generation entrepreneur and is sharing how she and her husband, Tyson, started a boulder engraving business that has since grown into an amazing product line of handcrafted, personalized gifts. They recently moved the entire business to Anne's hometown of Corning and are loving the small town life. Today, Anne's telling us all about it. So here we go with Anne Greenwald. All right. Well, we're here in Corning, Iowa with Anne Greenwald of Carver's Ridge. Anne, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yes, thank you. It's such an honor. Well, tell us a little bit about you. Are you originally from Iowa? I am. I'm a native to Corning, but uh, I had I had a few years where I spread my wings a little bit, and about three years ago, my husband and I moved our family back. Tell us a little bit about your career and kind of what led to you starting a side hustle and then how that transformed. So I, um, I went to, after graduating, um, from Corning, I went on to Central College in Pella, and I double majored in, well, theater, and my parents were like, maybe you should pick up another major. <laughs> <laughs> so I did communications as well. Um, and after college, I, uh, I interned my senior year a lot with a company called Applied Art and Technology out of Des Moines, which was a wonderful opportunity for me um, to produce videos and commercials, and I just learned a whole new world that I fell in love with. So, um, and then for a brief stint, I, uh, I, I went to the East Coast to Virginia. And uh, as I was telling you earlier, if you want to learn a lot about life, uh, not move to Virginia, don't have any career plans and <laughs> land with a job in door to door sales. <laughs> so that's an eye opening experience uh, that you definitely had to I mean, at the end of the day, you needed that that paycheck because you got paid every day on what you did. So it's I don't even think that they do that anymore. I have no idea. But um, man, I learned a lot and I lost a lot of weight. We walked and walked and walked and you're trying to get as many steps in. So it was pretty crazy. Um, and then I came back home to Iowa and I uh, worked for a company called Bow and Arrow Productions. So I was doing a lot of event planning, and um, it was it was literally a dream job, and I loved it, and I poured heart and soul into that. Um, but at the end of the day, I met my husband along the way, and we had, uh, geez, we'd had my son, and Tristan, who's now 12, but um, right kind of when the whole recession was happening um, is when we had him earlier. Um, we had him, he was born at 29 weeks. And uh, we had both lost our jobs. This was a little bit before Bow and Arrow. Um, so I went to work for Bow and Arrow for a while. But then right before I had my second child, Mason, um, we had started uh, a business. At the time, it was called Green Line Construction with my husband. And he did a lot of boulder walls at um, some of the private lakes around. And then it kind of morphed into Carver's Ridge um, 10 years ago. This is our 10th anniversary. So um, in 2009, and we were really just desperate to pay hospital bills at that point and, you know, whatever we could do to keep our house because the housing market was horrible at the time. Um, So we just really needed some extra cash and what resources did we have? And um, it was just kind of catapulted from there. So we, we both had a love for engraved boulders. I know that sounds very odd to some people probably listening but uh we took a trip to Colorado and we were like oh I think we could do this you know he had the outlet with doing the boulder walls and people were asking for that and we were trying to take it to another person who was like halfway across the state and so I'm like you know I think we could do this if we could just engrave a few boulders a week uh, we could that could really help our family out and give us a little extra income to pay down some of these medical bills and so that's sort of where Carver's Ridge was born from that idea, and um, I, I'm my mind never shuts off. <laughs> so <laughs> then I was like, what else can we engrave on? What else can we do? So that's when um, I think it was just after my son Mason was born, we bought some land there in Stewart, Iowa, and um, ended up building like a gift shop production facility there. 
um, so we could do the engraving and then we wanted to add in engraving on glass and leather and you know more mediums than just stone so that really gave us an opportunity and then in 2012 is when I went full-time with our business so so how did you learn it? Did you have somebody to teach you along the way or were you just figuring it out? As no, you went? we were completely figuring it out. I feel so sorry for like our first few customers. <laughs> like, oh, if you want to bring that boulder back, I totally understand. I'll make it better. But no, we, it was completely self-taught there. You know, even now there's not that many people in the state that do granite boulder engraving um, on like natural stones and that kind of stuff so completely self-taught a lot of late nights Um, Tyson was engraving rocks in a blizzard at one point at Christmas just to get you know holiday orders done and so uh, yeah it was a lot of um, couples growth as well as (laughs) business growth What was the turning point for you when you decided to go from side hustle to this has to be our full-time job, like it's time? There were a couple factors. Um, For Tyson, I think for him, and and we still do very different things. He now does Carver's Ridge Dirt Division. His passion and just what he's so amazing at is the dirt work. And that's what his dad did before him. And he's been doing it since he was little and, and still to this day, that's what he wants us to talk about all day long. So for him to go that way with um, Carver's Ridge was totally fine. And he's grown that side of the business in ways I could have never imagined. But for me, I've kind of taken over the retail side with the engraving and, and that. And so when he was doing it, it was he felt like, man, I'm taking a lot of time off of work. I'm using up all my PTO <laughs> to go work for Carver's Ridge. So that was his thing for me as a mom and and just the work ethic that I had it was really hard I was just loved my job and was very passionate about it but I was compromising a lot of areas in my life and um so being gone so much traveling so much I just was like you know I just I need to I'm I'm more passionate about our own business and if I'm going to work the hours that I'm working uh, you know, because I was coming home at night and trying to run Carver's Ridge. And then at some point you feel like you're compromising a little bit because your customers don't always understand that. They don't get that you're working full time and then coming home and, and doing your side hustle. And there's only so many hours in a day. And I felt like, man, I'm almost compromising my business because people are like, you know, I'm, I've waited a couple days to hear back from you. You know, where are you? What's where's my proof? Where's this? Where's that? And I hated that. I hated that feeling. So I think that was my turning point. I could be home for my family more and and feel like I was giving my customers 110% at Carver's Ridge. So you started out with a handful of customers that were local. Mm-hmm. How did you grow from there? So I laugh at this because I've thought a lot about this at, with our 10-year anniversary. But um, at first, well, okay, so go back 10 years, um, you could actually send out an email 10 years ago and and grow an email list and people forwarded the email on and said hey look they're having a great sale nobody does that now nobody does that so um so we did a ton of grassroots we didn't have a lot of money to invest um so you know even just capitalizing on Facebook at the time um Twitter was kind of around but not like it not like Facebook is here in the Midwest and Instagram was just a, you know I don't even think it was founded yet yeah. I don't know <laughs> but um so Facebook has honestly been our biggest social media thing you know even when we've tried other mediums for us it just has to be more visual because we are such a unique product um that uh just doing interactive things on social media, trying to get customers to engage and share and post and like and and draw their attention into new products is the big thing that helped catapult us. Yeah, so you eventually expanded your product line and you decided to go online. What was that like? So we dabbled a little bit in 2013. and it kind of got put on hold because we actually, uh, we had just built our shop and two months later we opened up in October and in December it was um, a couple days after Christmas and I was sitting at my family's Christmas in Des Moines and we got the call that our building was on fire. And so um, the the lady that was working for us at the time had just sort of started on this whole e-commerce shop and that was so new at the time too. What is e-commerce? and 
Um, so we just totally put that on hold to rebuild. Well, first decide, do we want to rebuild? And then second was, um, the rebuilding process. So then we picked it back up in 2014, 2015 and decided, okay, let's build this e-commerce shop. And it is a large undertaking, especially if you're personalizing products and offering so many different options and product lines, um, it's so easy. We have we have it now too. People come in the store and, you know, think that it's so easy to just build a website. And um, for those entrepreneurs out there that are having to do it all, it's it's so time consuming. And you're trying to figure out SEO by yourself and marketing by yourself, and oh, also making your product by yourself. So it's just daunting. Um, and that's when I realized. To do e-com right, you do really need to have in some really good customer service practices and policies and processes. So at that time, we went to where they could get like an original design or personalized design that we've already created. And we're just changing out the name and the date quickly for them so we can get it back out the door because everyone wants personalized, but they wanted it. They want it now. So that helped. Or we had like a custom design that they could do. Um, where they could work with a designer one-on-one and really create something completely unique for them. So that was kind of our big thing, is picking out what does our customer want and tailoring our e-commerce site to that. Wow. Well, tell us a little bit about the different types of products you offer. So we, right now, we're just an engraving business. So we engrave on um, natural stone and granite boulders. That's where we started out, but we've now expanded into metal, glass, wood, leather, Um, We do some acrylic and stuff like that as well. So we do offer an array of different mediums that we can engrave on. And then from there, the sky's the limit. I mean, I think we have, and we've kind of pared it down over the years. You know, some product lines fizzle out and you add some in to keep things fresh. But um, I'd say we keep it anywhere around 60 to 75 different product lines um, just engraving. So it's definitely challenging because within those, then you all obviously have several different designs. Um... Right now, you know, the engraved tumblers, insulated tumblers are so popular. So there's, I feel like there's hundreds of designs between original ideas and personalized ideas and it just keeps growing. So it's hard. How do you keep up with the trends and just stay on top of what's the hot thing or what's coming? Yeah, you know, it's that is hard. Um, there's so many places to get some creative ideas and let the creative juices flow and um, I think we've always had exceptional designers on staff so we've been very blessed that way um, having just people that you can throw ideas bounce ideas off of and even a vast array I mean we've had male designers female designers you know so and it's funny they each have their own style and their own unique niche Um, so that's even things we've been talking about recently too is is partnering with different artists that could bring a different realm to us that we don't have in-house um so it's just fun to to um it's so changing and ever evolving I mean six months from now it's there's going to be a totally different trend and something else going on so I think it's just a lot of market research um keeping up with your Instagram feed yeah right (laughs) (laughs) well at some point in this journey you decided Well, actually, you expanded first, right, to your hometown of Corning? Yes, we did. Three years. It'll be three years this uh, July. We picked up a second uh, brick-and-mortar location here in Corning, Iowa, and uh, opened a retail store here. And then um, just about a year ago, uh, we decided to move our whole production facility to Corning and have kind of been continually expanding that. We're kind of going through another expansion project at the moment so I'm excited to hopefully talk about that in the next few months as well. Yeah what has it meant for you to be able to come and bring a business back to your hometown? You know when Tyson and I had to decide um, make some really big decisions about where we wanted the future of our company to head it's emotional we had so many blood, sweat, tears into um, Stuart, and it's such a wonderful community, Um, but the growth that we're experiencing and that we want to keep experiencing, I knew I'd need more family support, and um, we had extended family in the area, but, you know, our parents were back here, so so having them 
moving home, having the support that we have from this whole community and this whole village of people is amazing. Uh, you know, even <laughs> I, you know, there's days that I, somebody pops in the shop or the store and I can't quite get away. And I know I have a friend that I can text, Hey, can you go pick up the kids for me? Or, um, you know, just little things like that. And, and it's just, I get very emotional <laughs> talking about it because, um, it means everything. It really does. I know something that you are really passionate about is helping create jobs for people in your community. Yes. Yes. Um, I think coming from um, the days when I was working and traveling a lot and I just felt so, I still do even, even though it's my own business, I do, but it's different. Um, But I've just felt a sense of compromising and, uh, you know, I struggled with that. I still do. I think any female entrepreneur probably struggles with the work-life balance and we're still working 80 hours a week um, even if we left our corporate jobs to make our uh, to make our dreams come alive and I know I it's hard but I think at the end of the day my kids see how hard I work and I hope that they retain that and carry that forward but I wanted that for other moms too I you know I wanted to create an outlet in a rural setting where if they needed to leave early for a kid got sick or a track meet or um you know anything that they needed that they had that opportunity to go be a part of their child's experiences and not feel like I can't go I have to stay at work or I don't have PTO for that or, you know, whatever. Life happens. Kids get sick, especially if you have three kids. Good luck uh, trying to make it through the winter. Sometimes you feel like you've ate up all your PTO. And I've been very flexible in that area, which is one thing I knew I could offer. Um, And I feel like that mindset has created very loyal, dedicated employees, Um, as well as, you know, we, we do offer benefits. It's and I'm not going to say that it's always easy for us. Sometimes it's a struggle um, for us being small. There's, you know, just there's just hard times too for any business. But it's something that um, we've offered for a few years now. And, and having, you know, those benefits in place for people makes me feel really good about us. And um, I just want to continue on that path of creating a, a very inclusive work environment that they can feel happy in and thrive in and again you know you don't as an entrepreneur you don't start a business and say I want to employ people someday you know you start (laughs) it because you're passionate about your product and as it grows you fall into these other things and I've learned so much and even the hard way I'm not perfect and I think if you're employed by a small employer, have some empathy in that area too, because we're, we, we don't come programmed that way. And we figure things out on the fly as well. And it's hard, you know, you want to make a a fair call and be fair. And it's so hard some days. So I think that's, I know that's one thing that I struggle with is the balance between, you know, being a great employer and offering all these things. But then at the end of the day, the work has to get done too. And so that balance um, is is still something that I'm continually trying to learn from, and I I read a lot of books and articles and Inc.com. You know, like what, what can I do to be better? What can I do to, you know, have more um, company morale or any of that? So I I think that uh, it's just really hard, but um, I think if your employers or your employees see that their employer is dedicated to that they'll buy into your dream and you know if at the end of the day you just they know that I want them to be in a place with our company where they're going to thrive and feel value and feel appreciated like we have hands down an amazing team right now and are so close and it's just so fun to walk in and hear laughter and see all these women getting along and we have Zach (laughs) poor guy um Zach and Tyson but um you know but they just everyone just gets along so well and um it's such a great team spirit too like at at Christmas when we're beyond crazy um if somebody else you know has a little bit easier day you're gonna see them down there helping someone else out like they they are not about to see one of their teammates uh, go down like they're going to be right there to help them get through it. So it's pretty awesome experience to 
to sit back and just take that all in sometimes. Well, you, beyond just your business, you are highly involved with a lot of things going on in this town. And I am so impressed by everything happening here. But tell us a little bit about the different roles that you are playing here to help with the revitalization and the livelihood of the community. Yeah, Corning has always had um, an exceptional cultural lifestyle that they've created here in Corning. And that started when I was small. Um, my family's fifth generation entrepreneur and I grew up in the hardware store down the street, which you saw, and um, and roamed this main street with so many of my friends because their parents had businesses downtown too. So we all, that's where we came after school. That's where we spent our weekends. You know, it, we just you embraced it from a a young age and our parents volunteered so we were there volunteering beside them so you didn't know it at the time but all of those little things uh, you know now I look back and I'm like man that was instilled in me in such a young age but um it's they have literally created a cultural mindset from you know it'll be 30 years next year that they've been a main street community and they started before that so um, it was ingrained in a young age for me. So coming back and being able to, you know, be honored enough to a- be asked on a lot of boards. And, um, you know, right now I'm Chamber of Commerce president and uh, I sit on some uh, Main Street committees. Um, and even with ACID, I'm on some committees with a- our economic development as well. Um I'm involved with the Rotary program and help with marketing out at the country club. And so, I mean, I I guess maybe I have trouble saying no now that I say all these (laughs) things out loud. (laughs) But I just, uh, it's just, I just have so much passion for Corning and a love for Corning. And I would love to say that I've always felt this way because after high school, I, you know, I would tell you right now I'm not coming back. Um, But it's just you know, sometimes it's okay to go spread your wings because you realize, wow, it just really is amazing. You know, my roots were just amazing. So, um, and that's okay. That's totally fine because I think you come back even more passionate about your community and want to help keep things going in the right path and keep it, you know, you don't ever want to see it struggle. There's things in town, I love to say that it's a perfect community. It's not. We've had Um, struggles in different areas struggle and that's just where it's been great you know finding people that are like oh let's go chip in and help they they need some help and we're gonna go help them out what can we do what can we you know think about trying to uh, you know get get things picked up back in that area and get them back on track because we don't want to lose that so um so I yeah I just I don't know it's just something I'm very very passionate about so Tell us a little bit, there's a lot of history into the what's happened here in Corning, but give us maybe just a high-level snapshot just so our listeners can understand how this has evolved, you know, starting from, was it in the 80s mm-hmm. when you had a major employer leave and then... Yeah, so, um, you know, the farm crisis hit a lot of rural areas in the 80s and... Um, I was one, so <laughs> so I can't, I don't really remember it. Um, no, but um, but it it did it wiped out um, a lot of businesses in town, and it hurt a lot of people. They had to, they had to move away to survive. Um, they lost their farms. It, it was just a huge economic impact. And Corning, you know, a lot of wonderful leaders realized we have to be progressive if we don't want our town to die. Because, um, you know, we're a town of, um, you know, 12, I'm not quite positive on this, but 12 to 1400 people in one of the poorest counties in Iowa. And I know that's not the most glamorous thing to say. I don't like to say that. But when you look around at all the things that we have and accomplish and and can do, it's so impressive um, to me to say, wow, we're still one of the poorest counties with a very low population, but we have amazing things happening because we're a community of doers and believers and movers and shakers and they realized that they were recruiting at a young time they were very progressive in that you know they wanted they knew they wanted to become a main street community they would need grants they'd need funding they'd need help to keep the town alive so um you know there there were people that i i think um 
I think it was towns of fewer than 5,000 at the time could not apply to be a Main Street community and go through that process. And, um, you know, Corning didn't take no for an answer, which is amazing because, like I said, next year will be our 30th anniversary as being a, um, a Main Street community, accredited community. And that takes a lot to say that after 30 years of ebbs and flows that we never wavered on our passion and again that just to me that just really goes back to fostering and and cultivating a cultural mindset to continue that yeah we got to have lunch with a group of ladies who all have sacrificed and really served in amazing ways to help make that possible and I just sat there and I'm like, wow, we're sitting in the fruits of all the labor from the generations past that have poured into this community and allowed it to be what it is today. Yeah, we're pretty blessed where so many of our leaders are still very, very active. And that's hard because it's so easy to burn burn people out. And um you know, it's just great to have them and pull them in. And especially me, I was gone um, for so long. Um, and coming back, I do feel like there was a blip of time that I did miss. You know, for me, I, I love to think that, you know, life in Corning stopped when I left <laughs> yeah. and then I picked back up when I came to town. But no, it didn't. And so I do. There are things that I'm like, OK, what happened? I have to fill in the blank of what happened because there are nuances that happen. And, and that's one thing I don't want to forget. So I'm constantly leaning on them for encouragement and guidance and support to say, you know, what happened? Like, what do I need to know? What things did you try? Um, and and kind of go from there. And, and they've been wonderful assets to say, to really to answer any questions or help with anything that I've needed help with. One of the things that you're leading as well that I'm really excited about, uh, Market Down Davis. Yes share a little bit about yeah, that. I'm so excited. So we are a, a town that has kind of been, um, you know, we're very supportive and we kind of, we've always liked to say we're always creative. And so we have a, an art center and um, we've done festivals and things like that. So for me, when I came back, I really wanted to figure out a fusion of how we can help handmade makers, artisans, all kinds of, of people that are just starting out um, or, or even or maybe that have been entrepreneurs for a while, but um, don't always have a brick and mortar. So um, how can we partner the two and create an experience for them that they can come and be able to see all kinds of different artisans and makers and um, vintage goods, um, producers of florals and... and um, fresh from the garden as well and capture that experience for them going up and down our main street so I'm super excited um July 27th of this year we are going to have it's called Market Down Davis and um we're we're accepting applications right now for makers to come and then we're also tying in our small businesses along the district as well so they can come out and they'll they'll have the sidewalk space and some of the main street we have the whole main street four blocks of main street um, blocked off and um, people can come and just have a wonderful experience of of all kinds of wonderful things yeah it sounds yeah. great yeah I feel like you've faced a lot of unique challenges as an entrepreneur how have you overcome those and what has I guess been in you to say I still want to do this it's still worth it to me to do this yeah that's um that's been hard because I think had I done this journey without my husband um like we lean on each other in the times that are hard for both of us. He has his challenges. I have mine with the different sides of the business. And, you know, especially after we had the fire um, and just different things, it's, it's, there are times that you do want to give up. You want to throw in the white towel and you want to give up. And that's just where it's been so nice to have him as a partner through this. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's days <laughs> that we also <laughs> don't want to look at each other. <laughs> but um, but at, through the dark times, you know, it's just like you pull each other up and you're like, we're not giving up on this. We've, you know, that's kind of our motto to each other. It seems like is like, you know, we made it through this. 
we got this. We can handle this. It's okay. We're going to get through it because look at all the things that we've already overcome and we can do this. So that to me, having a great support system, whether you are in business, you know, with your partner or, or just having family support or something, it's, it is unbelievable. And surrounding yourself, um, with people of the same, the same understanding, you know, it's, it's as an entrepreneur, it's really hard. Sometimes you can feel lonely and alienated because you don't feel like people understand what you're going through if they don't own their own business and your friends don't quite understand it. So I I would say reach out and find some support in people that are entrepreneurs and do understand you. You don't have to abandon your friends, but find and seek people that you can bounce ideas off or that can let you vent at the end of the day (laughs) or just when you just need a shoulder to cry on that are there for you. Yeah. What are some of the things you have done to set yourself apart as a business? I think... The one thing at the end of the day for me is our customers. I I have always wanted our customers to have an exceptional customer experience. Um, and I think that's kind of why we even drifted into personalized products because in that recession, people weren't buying a lot of gifts. Like I'm here, I'm opening a retail location when people are trying to even buy groceries or make their house payment. You know, this is uh, this is insane. But I wanted to create unique and affordable gifts and meaningful gifts. I wanted them to come and and be able to tell me, hey, I, I have a special person. I'm, you know, sometimes it was like I can only buy one Christmas gift. I want it to be for my husband or for my children. And I want it to be unique and meaningful that they will keep forever. And that's what got me. And that's, you know, where I was like, I, I want to continue on this path of of allowing people you know some people aren't creative but they have that doesn't mean they don't have creative ideas so you know being being their liaison to make what's in their head come to life and and just you know bring joy to when they're giving this gift we seek so much from just gift giving and not always from receiving and you know I, I know I'm like that when I've put uh, you know a lot of thought into a gift and want it to be special and they open it and you see that joy on their face it's just like oh that just means so much so that's what I wanted to give my customers and I want them to have that experience when they walk into the store as well um, to have it be different and unique and I just love it when they walk in and they just have that look of awe sometimes or mm-hmm. or um, you know down to the little things like you know just enjoying a, a a beverage while you're in there shopping or um, having some music play, you know, just something that can relax them and, and make them feel comfortable while they're there. Well, and I feel like you've also been intentional about setting yourself apart on Amazon as well, which is a whole nother side of this business. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I would um, be naive to think that the longevity of my business could be sustained um, by any just singular rural community. Um, it can't. As much as I want to pour everything into it and 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 have it be passionate, like you have to diversify, or um, you're just not going to be sustained. You know, sustained in that. So um, a few years ago, we looked into doing um, different outlets. So what can keep us? I you know I we were just starting to have our first employees and I was like, Oh, I don't want to lay anyone off in the winter. Um, so we looked into doing wholesale markets. So we started that, um, which has then, you know, then we did e-commerce. Um, we've picked up third party, um, things like Amazon and, and Jane.com and fair, you know, there's just so many out there anymore. Etsy. Um, there's a lot of them and we are on a lot of platforms and it consumes a lot of time, but at the same time, we need all of them together collectively to make Carver's Ridge what it is because I, I, you do get a lot of flack sometimes for being on Amazon and for being on some of these other platforms. And at the same time, it's offering opportunities on a local level. Um, I do a lot with, you know, I'm able to walk away from work sometimes and, and volunteer a whole day of my time to something and that's because I have a strong team and I'm able to employ a strong team to do that. So 
it's a give and a take and I, you know there's so much controversy I think sometimes with um uh, having you know being at odds with one or the other and I, I don't feel that it has to be like that you know I like to say that we're a click and mortar um and that we offer opportunities to to even shop online and pick it up in store so you don't it doesn't have to be and or I think you can do both and and make it work for both as well what have you found to be some of the differences that you've had to accommodate for between brick and mortar and online? Yeah. Um, brick and mortar is, it's totally different than online. Um, you have to take accountability and leadership within your community, especially if you're in rural Iowa, you have to stand by your product. And that's hard sometimes. We're not perfect. I tell the team that all the time. Like, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. And it's how we handle the mistakes moving forward that will bring the customer back. Um, and I and I can count, you know, several times where a customer, we, we didn't satisfy them. We didn't meet their expectations. And I had to, st- you know, I'm the owner. At the end of the day, it starts with me. So stepping in and saying, we'll fix it. We'll make it right. We're sorry. We're going to learn from this experience instead of hiding behind something, hiding behind. And that's the same way with e-commerce um, and hiding behind that commu- computer and just not even engaging or just ignoring the criticism that you're getting it's such a wonderful way if you can open yourself up to that and make yourself vulnerable to that it's very hard to do trust me it's very hard to take the criticism but you have to know that you will learn from it and it'll make you better and you'll come out on the other side better as well and um so we we really focus on that um you know, learning from those experiences. And I think too, when you have a brick and mortar, it's so easy to say, ta-da, come in and see me. I have a brick and mortar and it's wonderful. Um, and and you do, you put so much money, especially if you're in rural Iowa, you're revitalizing a, probably sometimes a dilapidated building. So you've put uh, exponentially a lot of money into this building um, and to make it wonderful. And uh, you do want everyone to come in, but the hard thing I think about owning a brick and mortar um, in a rural community or, or anywhere is that I think we naively think that <laughs> that they're just going to you know come right in the door, but they they don't owe you that. They don't they don't owe you that. They don't owe you because you opened a, a store. Um, you have to make them want to come in. Give them a reason. Um, show them your passion and sometimes that even means getting involved in your community because the more you're involved they see that they see how committed you are and um, we can we can do that in Iowa we can be kind of um, oh I don't I don't know what the right word is but you know we kind of sit back and see what kind of character that you have and I think the character that you show um, definitely creates an energy around yourself that people either realize and and they take a hold of and they're like, oh, they're doing really great things in their community. And you're in front of them more, so then they think about coming to your store too. Um, but the, the worst thing that you can do for yourself is think that they owe you something. Um, really, it's at the end of the day, it's you that needs to go out there and show them that you are worthy of their business. Talk a little bit about community over competition and the power of being involved in your community together. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like the the best way to be supportive of the small businesses around you, you have to understand that you can't be the one and only business in town. Like having more businesses to lift you up around you is going to create a whole it's going to open a whole new door for your town if, or a tourism aspect but at the same time you need to be able to work with them um, and be able to um, open up experiences for both of your customers if they're coming in to shop at my store and then they're going to walk down the street and eat at your business what can we do together um or even another retail business or other retail business. Like, what can we continually do to get them back to town? Whether it's our local, um, our you know, our local people or, or some local tourism as well. What can we do to collaborate and work together and think outside the box to get people to come take a chance on, on our town and take a chance to make it worth the drive? 
if they're coming an hour or two hours make it worth the trip down um and 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 you want them to come back you don't want them to come one time you want them to keep coming back so so i'll use some some experiences that you know we've done locally as well i mean obviously this market down davis is kind of what we want to do too how can we help local makers and people around the state of iowa and showcase them um and i think you know sometimes that can be tricky like you know people that have brick and mortars they've invested so much to keep the brick and mortar open um but you do have to reach across the aisle and hopefully by supporting um a a handmade artisan and lift them up maybe they can open their own brick and mortar someday so instead of having that competition vibe you need to have the collaborative vibe um and and what can you do you you know can you feature them in your store can you um, do a pop-up shop uh, if, if it's a, a retail and, and a restaurant um, Primrose and, and myself have done some collaborations with mixology classes and we engraved the classes and they did the mixology class uh, we've done charcuterie classes with meat and cheeses and wines and, and it's those things that people are wanting to get out and experience and they're seeing businesses work together um, and I think that makes them even have even more sense of, of pride in their community when it's not so singular but they're realizing that it's everyone coming together to create the energy and and create the whole aesthetic of your town if all of us are more passionate and more creative it's only more wonderful things are going to come out of it um, and people will see that and it just brings a whole new energy to your community i think from that you get um, more people volunteering. And I, and I think that's something too that, you know, a lot of people think, oh gosh, I have to, volunteering is going to eat up a chunk of my time. Um, and it's not. There's things that you can do that are, you know, maybe it's just 10 or 15 minutes here or there. And honestly, it's going to like save your economic director hours of work. If 10 of you have 10 minutes to give, oh my gosh, you think what more she can get done out of her day um, or anyone for that matter. So, um, I don't, don't, it's great to, um, sit back and say we have this wonderful community, but go be a doer, like, go do and keep it a wonderful community because sometimes it's so easy to sit back to and, and criticize and say, why didn't they do it this way? Why didn't they do it that way? And, and at the end of the day, like, I guess I'm kind of a put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. So, so come help and, and join in the movement and be the light and, and, go inspire like what's gonna make you you know whether it's a month from now a year from now five years from now like what is your what's your impact on your community what are you going to offer your community in return because you love all the wonderful things that it's giving you but you've got to give back to it so what advice would you have for somebody who has a dream in their heart and they're on the fence do I take that risk because it is scary and as you know there are times where it can be really challenging what would you say to them I think anytime we it's the best thing that you can do is dream and dream big because even when you're you could dream big about one thing and it leads to something totally different that you're not even expecting and it's so wonderful and I think, you know, even surrounding yourself, if you are a dreamer, make sure that you're in the right community that's going to f- even foster your dream and be supportive of your dream because that makes a world of difference as well. Um, it's okay. Like, some, you just have to find the right place where you're going to thrive the most and be the most successful. And, and I think it's okay that, and maybe sometimes it's not your own hometown. Maybe it's a different, your husband's hometown or something. That's okay. Um, that's totally fine. And, and just find the right place where you can be the best version of yourself. Um, because that's when you're going to let down those walls and let yourself feel vulnerable and take the risk because, you know, at the end of the day, you have a support team around you that, you know, between friends, family, customers, whatever, they're not going to let you fail. And don't let fear fuel you. You cannot let fear fuel you, fuel you at the end of the day. Um, 
but you just just know you have to have some grit, some passion, some perseverance because there's going to be hard days, but they the rewarding days far outweigh the hard days and um as much as it's wonderful to dream, you do have to let the realistic side talk to you as well. And um and, and this is this is exactly me with brick and mortar. I, I will never be able to give up brick and mortar because it's my passion and it's my love and rural brick and mortar. Um, it, it, that's just what I want to, that's the passion side of me. And the real side of me is the side that went to the e-com and to the different areas. And that was so hard because that was like everything I didn't, you know, everyone was saying, don't do that. It's, you know, that's the hard thing. But, but ha- know your strengths and your weaknesses um, and don't be afraid to ask for help because there's so many wonderful resources out there, um, especially if you're a creative and you might struggle with the financial part. Like, I, I know sometimes that's really scared me and I'm like, oh gosh, that means I have to admit that I'm I'm not good in all the areas. Um, and so, and that's okay. Like, that's why you reach out for help in those areas. So don't be afraid to reach out for help. And, you know, Tyson and I both worked full-time jobs for several years before we, and we were coming out of a recession, but before we took the plunge to both work for Carver's Ridge. So, um, you know, you're gonna have to work really, really hard. It's not gonna be easy. You're gonna have to sacrifice a lot, um, to get there. So don't blindly lead yourself into something where you're setting yourself up for failure. Like be smart about it too and, and use the resources around you and the tools that you have to help you as well. What's next for you and for Carver's Ridge? So this being our 10th year anniversary, um, I did a lot of thinking after Christmas this year and, um, and I, and then I went through some things, you know, it's funny, the person that you are, um, at 18 is a completely different person that you are at 37. (laughs) It's just, they're two remarkable people in the same body. But, um, but I, you know, I did a lot of thinking on the future of Carver's Ridge. And uh, for me, um, I want to see it grow. Um, I t- we do an annual meeting every year and I really try to include our team a lot. Like I know I have my goals, but they have to buy into that too. And I want them to be a part of that. And so, you know, one thing we've been talking about is having more strategic uh, retail locations in Main Street communities across Iowa. And I'd love to expand that to to Midwest or even nationwide as well. Um, and, and bring our products into more communities. I, I get that a lot, actually. People message and, you know, the, like one lady was like, Where, where's your store at in West Virginia? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like sometimes. It's a compliment. So yeah. yeah, totally. Um, you know, they see you on social media and they don't always know where you're at. I get that all the time. Where are you located? Where are you at? Um, so yeah, you know, things like that get your wheels turning. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to be huge. You know, I don't, I, I love that we still, um, are able to bring people a small business mom and pop feel, and I don't want to get away from that either. So, uh, I see us, um, expanding our mediums, um, looking into some different things, um, with uh, print and and other things that that step outside of engraving and expand our product lines even further, um, because we do want to offer our customers a whole gift giving experience, so they can come in and and you know not only get uh, a personalized um, baking dish, but they can add other things too to that, um, and that gives a great creative outlet for our designers as well. So, and even, I love collaborating. I love, um, you know, we've done some things with Primrose and, and some other people as well. And it's been a learning experience. It has, sometimes it can be very cutthroat and, um, my team tells me I'm too nice sometimes. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, some things haven't worked out, but, and that's okay. I've learned from those experiences and, and I'm trying to be a better person from them as well. And I think that's all any of us can hope for. We're not we're not perfect and there's things you could wish you could go back and redo and and change or whatever and not be so naive about um but but that's okay because all those experiences lead you to be a better person and lead a better company so 
Um, I don't know. I'm just really excited. I wish I could give a little bit more information right now. <laughs> um, but hopefully in the next few months, we'll be able to, uh, to kind of let everybody know what we have in the works. Well, it just gives us more reason to follow along and keep up <laughs> yes. with what you're doing. Yes, yes. So how do we follow along? And Yeah, we are on Facebook um, and we even have uh, we have a VIP shopping group with Facebook as well. So um, if you're more of a social media shopper, you can join that. Um, we are online um, with our website, carversridge.com. Uh, Pinterest, Instagram, um, oh, I Twitter a little bit, but not very much. <laughs> more I don't know if it's even really a Midwest thing anymore do a lot of people Twitter I don't I know some people do and they love it yeah I don't know I've 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 had trouble with yeah (laughs) grasping with that one but I feel like you have to pick your top ones and stick with it yeah exactly exactly so um no we're definitely on social media and um it's time consuming for sure um as you know but uh we're out there so we'd love to have more followers and are always trying to do fun promotions and giveaways and different marketing things um to shake things up and make it fun for our consumers as well so we like doing that stuff being thinking outside the box great well thanks Anne, for being on the yeah. podcast thank you so much for having me it's been wonderful Well, I love Anne's passion for her community and how her work there goes beyond just having a business, but being part of the community on every level. We want to give a huge shout out to Anne and Tyson on 10 years of business. That's an incredible accomplishment, and we can't wait to see what the next 10 years bring. When I went to do this interview, I got to spend the day with Anne in Corning, and I was so impressed by everything going on there that I wanted to share a little of that with you too. So all week, we're featuring stories of Rural Revival happening in Corning on the Rural Revival blog. So you'll want to make sure to go check that out. Thanks to Anne for being on the podcast, and thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Have a great day, everybody.